0: Chapter twenty nine of A Small Boy and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by m b. A Small Boy and Others by Henry James. Chapter twenty nine. I feel that much might be made of my memories of Boulogne-sur-Mer had I but here left room for the vast little subject, in which I should probably once started wander to and fro as exploringly, as perceivingly, as discoveringly, I am fairly tempted to call it, as might really give the measure of my small operations at the time. I was almost wholly reduced there to operations of that mere inward and superficially idle order, at which we have already so freely assisted, reduced by a cause I shall presently mention, the production of a great blur well-nigh after the fashion of some mild domestic but quite considerably spreading grease-spot in respect to the world of action such as it was more or less immediately about me i must personally have lived during this pale predicament almost only by seeing what i could after my incorrigible ambulant fashion a practice that may well have made me pass for bringing home nothing in the least exhibitional, rather than by pursuing the inquiries and interests that agitated to whatever intensity our, on the whole, widening little circle. The images I speak of as a matter for more evocation than I can spare them were the fruit of two different periods at Boulogne, a shorter and a longer, this second appearing to us all at the time, I gather, too endlessly and blightingly prolonged. So sharply, before it was over, did I, at any rate, come to yearn for the Rue Montaigne again. The Rue Montaigne sublet, for a term, under a flurry produced in my parents' breasts by a financial crisis of great violence to which the American world, as a matter now of recorded history, I believe, had tragically fallen victim, and which had imperilled or curtailed for some months our moderate means of existence. We were to recover, I make out, our disturbed balance, and were to pursue a while further our chase of the alien, the somehow repeatedly postponed real opportunity. And the second, the comparatively cramped and depressed connection with the classic refuge as it then was of spasmodic thrift, when not of settled indigence, for the embarrassed of our race in the largest sense of this matter, was to be shuffled off at last with no scant relief and reaction. This is perhaps exactly why the whole picture of our existence at the Pas-de-Calais watering-place pleads to me now for the full indulgence what would be in other words every touch of tenderness workable after all the years over the lost and confused and above all on their own side ultimately rather vulgarised and violated little sources of impression items and aspects these which while they in their degree and after their sort flourished we only asked to admire or at least to appreciate for their rewarding extreme queerness the very centre of my particular consciousness of the place turned too soon to the fact of my coming in there for the gravest illness of my life an all but mortal attack of the malignant typhus of old days which after laying me as low as i could well be laid for many weeks condemned me to a convalescence so arduous that I saw my apparently scant possibilities by the measure of them then taken, even as through a glass darkly, or through the expansive blur for which I found, just above, a homely image. This experience was to become, when I had emerged from it, the great reminiscence or circumstance of old Boulogne for me, and I was to regard it, with much intelligence I should have maintained, as the marked limit of my state of being a small boy. I took on, when I had decently, and all the more because I had so retardedly recovered, the sense of being a boy of other dimensions somehow altogether, and even with a new dimension introduced and acquired. A dimension that i was eventually to think of as a stretch in the direction of essential change or of living straight into a part of myself previously quite unvisited and now made accessible as by the sharp forcing of a closed door the blur of consciousness imagined by my grease spot was not i hasten to declare without its relenting edges and even during its major insistence, fainter thicknesses. Short of which, I see my picture, the picture I was always so incurably after, would have failed of animation altogether, quite have failed to bristle with characteristics, with figures and objects, and scenic facts, particular passages and moments, the stuff, in short, of that scrap of minor gain, which I have spoken of as our multiplied memories. Wasn't I even at the time, and much more later on, to feel how we had been, through the thick and thin of the whole adventure, assaulted as never before in so concentrated a way by local and social character? Such was the fashion after which the Boulong of long ago, I have known next to nothing of it since, could come forth, come more than half-way, as we say, to meet the imagination open to such advances. It was, taking one thing with another, so verily drenched in character that I see myself catching this fine flagrancy almost equally in everything, unless, indeed, I may have felt it rather smothered than presented on the comparatively sordid scene of the Collège Communal, not long afterwards to expand, I believe, into the local lycée, to which the inimitable process of our education promptly introduced us. I was to have less of the collège than my elder and my younger brother, thanks to the interrupting illness that placed me so long, with its trail of after-effects, half complacently, half ruefully apart. But I suffered for a few early weeks, the mainly malodorous sense of the braver life, produced as this was by a deeply democratic institution from which no small son, even of the most soapless home, could possibly know exclusion. Odd, I recognize, that I should inhale the air of the place so particularly, so almost only, to that dismal effect. Since character was there, too, for whom it should concern, and my view of some of the material conditions, of the general collegiate presence toward the top of the steepish Grand Rue on the right, and not much short, as it comes back to me, of the then closely clustered and inviolate Hauteville, the more or less surviving old town, the idle grey rampart, the moated and towered citadel, the tree-shaded bastion for strolling and sitting immortalized by thackeray achieved the monumental in its degree after a fashion never yet associated for us with the pursuit of learning didn't the campaigner suffering indigence at the misapplied hands of colonel Newcombe, rage at that hushed victim supremely and dreadfully just thereabouts by which i mean in the haute over some question of a sacrificed sweetbread or a cold-hacked joint that somebody had been at. Besides such builded approaches to an education as we had elsewhere known, the collège exhibited, with whatever reserves, the measure of style which almost any French accident of the administratively architectural order more easily rises to than fails of even if the matter be but a question of the shyest similitude of a corps the court disconnecting the scene by intention at least from the basely bourgeois and giving value to the whole effect of a posed and windowed wall and important or balanced and placed perron these are many words for the dull precinct as then presented i admit and they are perhaps half-prompted by a special association, too ghostly now quite to catch again, the sense of certain Sundays, distinct from the grim, that is, the flatly instructional, body of the week, when I seem to myself to have successfully flouted the whole constituted field by passing across it, and from it, to some quite ideally old-world, little annexed musée de Provence, as inviolate in its way as the grey rampart and bare citadel and very like them in unrelieved tone where i repeatedly and without another presence to hinder looked about me at goodness knows what weird ancientries of stale academic art not one of these treasures in its habit as it lived do i recall yet the sense and the note of them was at the time, none the less, not so elusive that I didn't somehow draw straight from them intimations of the interesting, that is, revelations of the aesthetic, the historic, the critical mystery and charm of things, of such things taken altogether, that added to my small loose handful of the seed of culture. That apprehension was, in its way, of our house of learning too. And yet I recall how, on the scant and simple terms I have glanced at, I quite revelled in it; whereas other impressions of my brief ordeal shrink, for anything in the nature of interest, but to three or four recovered marks of the social composition of the school. There were the sons of all the small shopkeepers, and not less, by my remembrance, of certain of the mechanics and artisans. But there was also the English contingent, these predominantly internes and uniformed, blue-jacketed and brass-buttoned, even to an effect of odd redundancy, who, by my conceit, gave our association a lift. Vivid still to me is the summer morning on which, in the wide court, as wide, that is, as I liked to suppose it, and where we hung about helplessly enough for recreation, a brownish-black-eyed youth, of about my own degree of youthfulness, mentioned to me with an air that comes back as that of the liveliest informational resource the outbreak just heard of, of an awful mutiny in India, where his military parents, who had not so long before sent him over thence, with such weakness of imagination, as I measured it, to the poor spot on which we stood, were in mortal danger of their lives, so that news of their having been killed would perhaps be already on the way. They might well have been military, these impressively exposed characters, since my friend's name was Napier, or Napier, as he was called at the school, and since, I may add also, there attached to him in my eyes the glamour of an altogether new emphasis of type, the english boys within our ken since our coming abroad had been of the fewest the faisandier youths whether english or american besides being but scantily boys had been so lost on that scene in our heap of disparities and it pressed upon me after a fashion of its own that those we had known in new york and all aware of their varieties and personalities as one had supposed oneself had in no case challenged the restless placing impulse with any such force as the finished little napier they had not been as he was by the very perversity of his finish resultants of forces at all or comparatively speaking it was as if their producing elements had been simple and few whereas behind this more mixed and. As we have learnt to say, evolved companion, his very simplicities, his gaps of possibility being still evolved, there amassed itself I couldn't have said what protective social order, what tangled creative complexity. Why I should have thought him almost Indian of stamp and hue, because his English parents were of the so general Indian peril, is more than I can say. Yet I have his exotic, and above all his bold, his imaginably even bad, young face, finally unacquainted with law, before me at this hour quite undimmed, announcing, as I conceived it, and quite as a shock, any awful adventure that one would, as well as something that I must even at the time have vaguely taken as the play of the passions. He vanishes, and I dare say I but make him over as I make everything and he must have led his life whatever it was to become with the least possible waiting on the hour or the major consequence and no waste of energy at all in the mooning no patience with any substitute for his very own humour we had another schoolmate this one native to the soil whose references were with the last vividness local and who was yet to escape with brilliancy in the aftertime the smallest shadow of effacement. His most direct reference at that season was to the principal pastry-cooks of the town, an establishment we then found supreme for little criss-crossed apple tartlets and melting baba. young Coquelin's home life amid which we the more acutely envied that the upward cock of his so all-important nose testified for my fancy to the largest range of free familiar sniffing cbe coquelin is personally most present to me in the form of that hour by the value as we were to learn to put it of this nose the fine assurance and impudence of which fairly made it a trumpet for promises Yet, in spite of that, the very gauge, as it were, of his long career as the most interesting and many-sided comedian, or at least most unsurpassed dramatic d'usure of his time, I failed to doubt that, with the rich recesses of the parental industry for his background, his subtlest identity was in his privilege, or perhaps even in his expertest trick, of helping himself well. These images, however, were but drops in the bucket of my sense of catching character round about us, as I say, at every turn, and in every aspect, character that began even, as I was pleased to think, in our own habitation, the most spacious and pompous Europe had yet treated us to, in spite of its fronting on the Rue Neuve Chaussée, a street of lively shopping by the measure of that innocent age, and with its own ground floor, occupied by a bristling exhibition of indescribably futile articles de paris modern and commodious itself it looked from its balcony at serried and mismatched and quaintly named haunts of old provincial of sedately passive rather than confidently eager traffic but this made among us for much harmless inquisitory life While we were fairly assaulted at home by the scale and some of the striking notes of our fine modernity, the young, the agreeable, agreeable to anything, the apparently opulent Monsieur Prosper Sauvage, wasn't it? Had not long before, unless I mistake, inherited the place as a monument of family, quite modestly local, yet propitious family, ambition. With an ample extension in the rear, and across the clearest prettiest court for his own dwelling which thus became elegant entre corps et jardin and showed all the happy symmetries and proper conventions here flourished or rather i surmise at this time of day here languished a domestic drama of which we enjoyed the murmurous overflow frankly astounding to me i confess how i remain still insensitive presence of our resigned proprietor's domestic drama in and out of which i see a pair of figures quite up to the dramatic mark flit again with their air of the very rightest finish i must but note these things none the less and pass for scarce another item of the whole boulogne concert of salient images failed after all of a significance either still more strangely social or more distinctively spectacular These appearances, indeed, melt together for my interest, I once more feel, as, during the interminable stretch of the prescribed and for the most part solitary airings and outings involved in my slow convalescence from the extremity of fever, I approached that straightened and somewhat bedarkened issue of the Rue de L'Ecu, was it? Toward the bright-coloured, strongly-peopled port just where Merridew's English library, solace of my vacuous hours and temple, in its degree too, of deep initiations, mounted guard at the right. Here, frankly, discrimination drops. Every particular in the impression, once so quick and fresh, sits interlinked with every other in the large lap of the whole. The motley, sunny, breezy, bustling port, with its classic, its admirable fisherfolk of both sexes, models of type and tone, and of what might be handsomest in the thoroughly weathered condition, would have seemed the straightest appeal to curiosity, had not the old Thackerian side, as I may comprehensively call it, and the scattered wealth of illustration of his sharpest satiric range, not so constantly interposed and competed with it. The scene bristled, as I looked back at it, with images from Men's Wives, from the society of Mr. Duce, and that of fifty other figures of the same creation, with Beria Craces and Rawdon Crawleys, and of course with Mrs. Max, with Roses of a more or less crumpled freshness and blighted bloom, with battered and bent, though doubtless never quite so fine, Colonel Newcombe's not less, with more reminders, in short, than I can now gather in, of those forms of the seedy, the subtly sinister, the vainly genteel, the generally damaged and desperate, and in particular perhaps the invincibly impudent, all the marks, I feel sure, were stronger and straighter, than such as we meet in generally like cases under our present levelling light. Such anointed and whiskered and eked out, such brazen, bluffing, swaggering gentlemen, such floridly repaired ladies, their mates, all looking as hard as they could as if they were there for mere harmless amusement. It was as good among them as just being Arthur Pendennis, to know so well or at least to guess so fearfully who and what they might be they were floated on the tide of the manners then prevailing i judge with a rich processional effect that so many of our own grand lapses when not of our mere final flatnesses leave no material for so that the living note of Boulogne was really on a more sustained view the opposition between a native race the most happily tempered, the most becomingly seasoned and salted and self-dependent, and a shifting colony, so far as the persons composing it could either urgently or speculatively shift, inimitably at odds with any active freshness. And the stale and the light, even though so scantly rebounding, the too densely socialized group, was the English, and the positive and hardy and steady and wind-washed, the French, and it was all as flushed with colour and patched with costume, and referable to record and picture, to literature and history, as a more easily amusing and less earnestly uniform age could make it when i speak of this opposition indeed i see it again most take effect in an antithesis that on one side and the other swallowed all differences at a gulp the general british show as we had it there in the artless mid-victorian desert had i think for its most sweeping sign the high assurance of its dowdiness Whereas one had only to glance about at the seafaring and fisherfolk, who were the real strength of the place, to feel them shed at every step and by their every instinctive appearance the perfect lesson of taste. There it was to be learnt and taken home, with never a moral, none the less, drawn from it by the higher types. I speak, of course, in particular, of the tanned and trussed and kerchiefed the active and productive women, also short-skirted and free-limbed under stress, for as by the rule of the dowdy, their sex is ever the finer example. So where the sense of the suitable, of the charmingly and harmoniously right prevails, they preserve the pitch, even as a treasure committed to their piety. To hit that happy mean of rightness amid the mixed occupations of a home-mother and a fishwife, to be in a special both so bravely stripped below and so perfectly enveloped above as the deep-wading, far-striding, shrimp-netting, crab-gathering matrons or maidens who played waist-high with the tides, and racily quickened the market, was to make grace thoroughly practical and discretion thoroughly vivid. These attributes had with them all, for the eye, however, a range too great for me to follow, since as their professional undress was a turnout positively self-consistent, so their household, or more responsibly public, or altogether festal, array, played through the varied essentials of fluted coif and folded kerchief and sober skirt and tense, dark, displayed stocking and clicking wooden slipper, to say nothing of long gold ear-drop, or solid short-hung pectoral cross, with a respect for the rigour of conventions that had the beauty of self-respect. I owe to no season of the general period such a preserved sense of innumerable unaccompanied walks, at the reason of which luxury of freedom I have glanced, which as often as not, were through the steep and low-browed and brightly daubed Ruelle of the fishing-town, and either across and along the level sea-marge and sustained cliff beyond, this latter the site of the first Napoleon's so tremendously mustered camp of invasion, with a monument as futile by my remembrance as that enterprise itself had proved, to give it all the special accent I could ask for or I was as free for the Hauteville and the ramparts and the scattered battered benches of reverie, if I may so honour my use of them. They kept me not less complacently in touch with those of the so anciently awed and mainly contracted houses over which the stiff citadel and the ghost of Catherine de Medici, who had dismally sojourned in it, struck me as throwing such a chill and one of which precisely must have witnessed the never-to-be-forgotten campaigner's passage in respect to her cold beef. Far from extinct for me is my small question of those hours, doubtless so mentally, so shamelessly wanton, as to what human life might be tucked away in such retreats, which expressed the last acceptance whether of desired or of imposed quiet. So absolutely appointed and obliged did I feel to make out, so far as I could, what, in so significant a world, they on their part represented. I think the force mainly sustaining me at that rather dreary time, as I see it can only show for, was this lively felt need that everything should represent something more than what immediately and all too blankly met the eye. I seem to myself to have carried it about everywhere, and though of course only without outward signs, that might have betrayed my fatuity, and insistently, quite yearningly applied it. What I wanted, in my presumption, was that the object, the place, the person, the unreduced impression, often doubtless so difficult or so impossible to reduce, should give out to me something of a situation, living as I did in confused and confusing situations, and thus hooking them on, however awkwardly, to almost any at all living surface I chanced to meet. My memory of Boulogne is that we had almost no society of any sort at home, there appearing to be about us but one sort, and that of far too great, or too fearful, and immediate bravery. Yet there were occasional figures that I recover from our scant circle, and that I associate, whatever links I may miss, with the small still houses on the rampart, figures of the quaintest, quite perhaps the frowsiest little English ladies, in such mushroom hats, such extremely circular and bestriped scarlet petticoats, such perpetual tight gauntlets. Such explicit claims to long descent, which showed them for everything that everyone else at Boulogne was not. These mid-Victorian samples of a perfect consistency represented, by my measure, as hard as ever they could, and represented, of all things, literature and history and society. The literature was that of the three-volume novel, then and for much after enjoying its loosest and serenest spread. For they separately and anxiously and awfully wrote, and that must almost by itself have amounted in them to all the history I evoked. The dreary months, as I am content that in their second phase especially they should be called, are subject, I repeat, to the perversion, quite perhaps to the obscuration, of my temporarily hindered health which should keep me from being too sure of these small proportions of experience i was to look back afterwards as over so grey a desert through which none the less there flush as sharp little certainties not to be disallowed such matters as the general romance of marydew the english librarian before mentioned at the mouth of the port a connection that thrusts itself upon me now as, after all, the truest centre of my perceptions, waylaying my steps at the time, as I came and went, more than any other object or impression. The question of what that spot represented, or could be encouraged, could be aided and abetted to represent, may well have supremely engaged me, for depth within depth there could open before me. The place meant, on these terms to begin with, frank and licensed fiction, licensed to my recordedly relaxed state, and what this particular luxury represented it might have taken me even more time than I had to give to make out. The blessed novel in three volumes exercised through its form, to my sense, on grounds lying deeper for me today, Than my deepest sounding, an appeal that fairly made it do with me what it would. Possibly a drivelling confession, and the more drivelling perhaps, the more development I should attempt for it, from which, however, the very difficulty of the case saves me. Too many associations, too much of the ferment of memory and fancy, are somehow stirred. They beset me again they hover and whirl about me while i stand as i used to stand within the positively sanctified walls of the shop so of the view temps now their aspect and fashion and worked system by which i mean again of the frumpiest and civilest mid-victorian and surrender to the vision of the shelves packed with their rich individual trinities Why should it have affected me so that my choice, so difficult in such a dazzle, could only be for a trinity? I am unable fully to say. Such a magic dwelt in the mere rich fact of the trio. When the novel of that age was bad, as it so helplessly, so abjectly, and prevailingly consented to be, the three volumes still did something for it a something that was, all strangely, not an aggravation of its case. When it was good, our analysis, our terms of appreciation, had a simplicity that has lingered on, they made it copiously, opulently better, so that when, after the span of the years, my relation with them became, from that of comparatively artless reader, and to the effect of a superior fondness and acuteness, that of complacent author, the tradition of infatuated youth still flung over them its mantle. This at least till all relation, by one of the very rudest turns of life we of the profession were to have known, broke off in clumsy, interfering hands, and with almost no notice given, in a day, in an hour besides connecting me with the lost but unforgotten note of waiting service and sympathy that quavered on the merry Dew air they represented just for intrinsic charm more than i could at any moment have given a plain account of they fell by their ineffable history every trio i ever touched into the category of such prized phenomena as my memory for instance of fairly hanging about the rue des vieillards At the season I speak of, through the apprehension that something vague and sweet, if I shouldn't indeed rather say something of infinite future point and application, would come of it. This is a reminiscence that nothing would induce me to verify, as for example by any revisiting light. But it was going to be good for me, good, that is, for what I was pleased to regard as my intelligence or my imagination in fine, for my obscurely specific sense of things, that I should so have hung about. The name of the street was by itself of so gentle and intimate a persuasion, that I must have been ashamed not to proceed, for the very grace of it, to some shade of active response. And there was always a place of particular arrest, in the vista brief and blank, but inclusively blank, blank after ancient, settled, more and more subsiding things, blank almost in short with all Matthew Arnold's ennui of the Middle Ages, rather than poorly and meanly and emptily before such states, which was previously what I had most known of blankness. This determined pause was at the window of a spare and solitary shop, a place of no amplitude at all, but as of an inveterate cheerful confidence, where, among a few artists' materials, an exhibited watercolour from some native and possibly then admired hand, was changed but once in ever so long. That was, perhaps, after all, the pivot of my revolution. The question of whether or no I should, at a given moment, find the old picture replaced. I made this, when I had the luck, pass for an event yet an event which would have to have had for its scene the precious rue des vieillards and pale though may be the recital of such pleasures i lose myself in depths of kindness for my strain of ingenuity all of which and to that extent to be corrected leaves small allowance for my service to good m ancio rendered while my elder and younger brothers the younger completing our group of the ungovernance, were continuously subject to collegial durance. Their ordeal was, I still blush to think, appreciably the heavier, as compared with mine, during our longer term of thrifty exile from Paris. The time of stress, as I find I recall it, when we had turned our backs on the Rue Montaigne, and my privilege was so to roam on the winter and the spring afternoons mild monsieur anciot under whom i for some three hours each forenoon sat sole and underided, and actually by himself too was a curiosity a benignity a futility even i gather but save for a felt and remembered impulse in me to open the window of our scene of study as soon as he had gone, was in no degree an ideal. He might rise here, could I do him justice, as the rarest of my poor evocations. For he it was, to be frank, who most literally smelt of the tom, as to which I have noted myself as wandering and musing as much as might be, with recovered scraps and glimpses and other intimations, only never yet for such a triumph of that particular sense. To be still frank, he was little less than a monster, for mere unresisting or unresilient mass of personal presence, I mean. So that I fairly think of him as a form of bland porpoise, violently blowing in an age not his own, as by having had to exchange deep water for thin air thus he impressed me as with an absolute ancientry of type of tone of responsible taste above all-this last I mean in literature since it was literature we sociably explored to my at once charmed and shamed apprehension of the several firm traditions the pure proprieties the discussibilities in the oddest way both so many and so few of that field as they prevailed to his pious view i must have had hold in this mere sovereign sample of the accidentally the quite unconsciously and unpretentiously the all negligibly or superfluously handed down of a rare case of the provincial and academic though even while I record it I see the good man as too helpless and unaggressive, too smothered in his poor facts of person and circumstance, of overgrown time of life alone, to incur with justness the harshness of classification. He rested with a weight I scarce even felt-such easy terms he made, without scruple for both of us-on the cheerful innocence of my barbarism and though our mornings were short and subject i think to quite drowsy lapses and other honest aridities we did scumble together i make out by the aid of the collected extracts from the truly and academically great which formed his sole resource and which he had in a small portable and pocketed library rather greasily preserved some patch of picture of a saving as distinguished from a losing classicism. The point remains for me that when all was said, and even with everything that might directly have counted unsaid, he discharged for me such an office that I was to remain to this far-off hour in a state of possession of him that is the very opposite of a blank, quite after the fashion again in which I had all along and elsewhere suffered and resisted, and yet so perversely and intimately appropriated, tutoring, which was with as little as ever to show for my profit of his own express showings. The blank he fills out crowds itself with a wealth of value, since I shouldn't without him have been able to claim, for whatever it may be worth, a tenth, at that let me handsomely put it, of my working sense of the temps, How can I allow, then, that we hadn't planted together, with a loose felicity, some of the seed of work, even though the sprouting was so long put off? Everything, I have mentioned, had come at this time to be acceptedly, though far from braggingly, put off, and the ministrations of M. Anciot really washed themselves over with the weak mixture that had begun to spread for me... To immensity during that summer day or two of our earlier residence when betraying strange pains and apprehensions i was with all decision put to bed present to me still is the fact of my sharper sense after an hour or two of my being there in distress and as happened for the moment alone present to me are the sounds of the soft afternoon the mild animation of the boulogne streets through the half-opened windows, present to me above all the strange sense that something had begun that would make more difference to me, directly and indirectly, than anything had ever yet made. I might verily, on the spot, have seen, as in a fading of day and a change to something suddenly queer, the whole large extent of it, I must thus, much impressed but half scared, have wanted to appeal, to which end I tumbled all too weakly out of bed and wavered toward the bell just across the room. The question of whether I really reached and rang it was to remain lost afterwards in the strong sick whirl of everything about me, under which I fell into a lapse of consciousness that i shall conveniently here treat as a considerable gap end of chapter 29 end of a small boy and others by henry james